0: You are listening to the Restoration L.A. podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So we we are in this spiritual warfare series that we started a few weeks back. And I, I am going to continue this week. And, and Ken will be finishing off next week. This is part four. Um, I want to encourage you guys about something. Or or, or a couple of things um the first thing is i want to encourage you guys to take notes when you listen to sermons i think all of us carry phones or papers and pins or something um, but i want to encourage you to take notes and and i know some some pastors or teachers don't don't encourage us because they just want you to listen and allow the holy spirit to minister to you but why i think it's important because i, I do believe each and every one of us hear differently And I think each and every one of us kind of learn differently. And there there are studies that tell us that when we take notes and we begin to jot down things that ping our hearts and our spirits, our minds, um, that we retain not just information better, but the ability to walk out what we're actually learning. And so I want you to—I want to encourage you to take notes—not just this week because I'm talking, but every week uh, in in women's Bible studies, in your home groups, in uh, on Sunday mornings—just to to, to write down what God is saying to you. Write down some phrases or some verses that you want to go back and revisit. Uh, We we see this in in Scripture where, where um, there was a group of, of of people called the Bereans, who were. Um, actually uh, uh, highlighted because they had the ability, they went back and they would research the things that they were learning. And so it wasn't just learning at face value, like, you know, this is what I, this is what I've always been taught. And so this is what I know. These men, this group of people would actually go back and research for themselves. Hey, you know, is this truth and go through scriptures and allow God um, to massage that into them. And Um, Something that um, I've learned over many, many years of following Jesus is not everything that I have been taught um, is, is accurate. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, I, I grew up in, 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 a, in, a, in a certain kind of church that taught me a certain kind of way. And for a long time, I held on to all of those views and all of those theological stances because I was loyal to the community that I was brought up in. And I didn't know any better. And so and there was nothing heretical in any of the things I believe that they were preaching and teaching. But sometimes the things that we learn very early on in our faith we make law. And what I mean by law is there's no nuances, there's no, there's no different methodolo- methodologies allowable because this is what we learned and this is what we knew. And then the further we get and the more mature we get in the things of God you might see whoa some people are doing this thing different. What does that mean for me? And then some like me maybe your faith gets a little rattled or shooken like whoa this is what I, what I was taught. You know especially around the things of the Holy Spirit. And I think I think the things of the Holy Spirit, the church is so divided over the things uh, and, and how Holy Spirit moves and operates. And so if you were taught a certain way about who God, the Holy Spirit is, you know, at, when you're you know, early on in your faith and then you enter into an arena that might operate differently, you know, your kind of faith gets rattled. And I want you to know your faith shouldn't be rattled. You know, your theology might get rattled, and that's okay, because we're still learning, and we're still, you know, uh, we're not experimenting. We're trying to walk out fearfully what Scripture says and how the Holy Spirit is leading us. But I just just want you to know that we, we should always be growing and always be teachable. Can you say amen to that? All right, so here we go. Let's see. Here's some pencils going. Um, And and, and I do encourage pencil because you might erase a lot. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses two through three. I'm going to read this verse for us. And it says, and you were dead in your offenses and sins. How many of you know that you were once dead in your offenses and sins? Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us was dead in our offenses and sins in which you previously walked, listen friends, according to the course of this world. Can you say the world? So we once walked in accordance to the world, each and every one of us before we came to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you came to Jesus at six years old, you were born into this stream or this system called the world. And then it says, according to, listen to this, to the prince, can you say prince? Prince. Or we could translate that, understanding the context, this is the devil, the prince of the power of the air. If you remember in Ephesians 6, there's the principalities that rule in unseen places. So we have the world, and then we have the prince of the power of the air. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So there's actually a spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. And listen, the apostle Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, this is who we were. Whether we recognize it or not, the spirit that operates in the sons of disobedience is also the spirit that we once carried. Are you with me? Some of you aren't. It's okay. It's in scripture. Verse three. Listen to this. Among them, we too all previously lived, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh. Can you say flesh? Flesh. flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. This is this is a a pretty clear picture the Apostle Paul is giving to the church. It's a clear picture that we have to recognize that before Christ, before Christ, we were once children of wrath, operating under the spirit of disobedience that is that is in all. There's three things that are highlighted in these first few verses here in, in, in this chapter of Ephesians. There's three enemies of the saints. That, that, that I see are identified here. And historically, the church has called them the enemies of the soul. Number one is the world. Number two is the devil. And number three is your flesh. These are the three enemies of the soul that we see identified here in Ephesians chapter two. Verse four says this, but God, being rich in his mercy, can you guys say mercy? Mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Can you guys say amen to that? By grace, we have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, can you say grace again? By grace, you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that word grace is unmerited favor. God gave you favor even though you didn't deserve it. There was nothing that you did to earn this salvation. It was by grace. It was a free gift from God. And so those of us who were once operating in the world system, those of us who were once uh, bound for a place called hell because we were operating on this spirit of disobedience have been redeemed and saved out of that because of the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? And there's nothing that you could have done to earn it. And so there's no works that you can even do to keep it. It is a free gift from God. Isn't that beautiful? And I think sometimes we, we think that when our life's going wrong or when our life's experiencing battles and, or, or, or we're having you know, th- these things in our lives that seem like God is not with us, we begin to question our salvation. Is God with me? Am I saved? Because I don't know. It doesn't seem like anything's happening on my behalf. And I'm telling you, the assurance of salvation comes from the revelation we have of the victory of the cross. The assurance of salvation. Your salvation cannot be lost and your salvation cannot be stolen. That's a powerful thing, friends. I'm not getting into the doctrine of once saved, always saved. That's a whole different sermon. But listen, friends, by his rich mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show you the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. This is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that anyone can boast, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. Say good works. works. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. God is wanting us to walk in these good works. This is what you have been created for. When you were redeemed, you were redeemed into the original plan of God for your life. When you were redeemed by God and you received salvation, came from death back to life, God rose you again so that you can live out the original intent for your life. Isn't that beautiful? Before you were fashioned in your mother's womb, God knew you and he had a purpose for your life. And once you said yes to Jesus and received the free gift of salvation of Jesus, you now can operate in that operating system. This operating system is what we call the kingdom of God. And it's different than the world. And so I want to highlight or or, or get us to understand what these three enemies do for us, or or how these three enemies of the soul, or these enemies of the saints, what they mean to us as believers, because we are talking about spiritual warfare. So the three enemies, again, the devil, the flesh, and the world. The first I'm going to speak about is the devil. And I think we've given, given... the person of the devil, a lot of attention in this series. And I, and I just want to just stop and pause for a moment just to remind us that we are not highlighting the devil at the expense of King Jesus. The kingdom of darkness is not as powerful as the kingdom of light. As light, of light. Sometimes we think, you know, we think this yin and yang kind of thing where, where, you know, darkness and light operate equally, and that's not true. Not in the kingdom of God. I mean, if if, if we see, you know, the power systems at work, the power of darkness and the power of light, it is not a 50-50 thing going on. Satan is not equivalent to Jesus. Satan is a fallen angel, a created being. If there was an equivalent to to, to Satan or Lucifer, it would be the archangel Gabriel or, or Michael a created being, that he is is not equivalent to Jesus. And so we have to understand and put this created being in his rightful place. And so here, the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, fallen angel, called the prince of this age, who's been given dominion, listen, over the world system, this world system that we, we heard about in Ephesians 2. And while he is the greatest enemy of the saints, he is not the only enemy. Right? We also have the world, and we have the flesh. But in James 1.7, it says this, Submit, therefore, to God. Can you say submit? Submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It seems pretty pretty easy, right? Resist the devil, and he will flee. Just say no. I, I know hand to the face used to be a thing, like back in the day, I was offensive. Like, someone went like that, like, it was, that, was, that was not a good thing. <laughs> But it's what we need to do. Who's a comedian? He used to go. Arr! Oh, it was Martin. Was it a Martin? Yeah, maybe it was Martin. Sorry, sorry. Vanessa says I need to stop telling people the things I watch on TV. So <laughs> I haven't watched Martin in a long time. But resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But I think there's far too many self-professing Christians who resist the Lord and submit to the devil. Think of that, friends. We resist the outer workings of God in our life. We resist the working of God raising us from life, I mean from death to life. We resist the the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we submit to the devil and all of his tricks and evil schemes. And we need to reverse that, friends. We need to submit to the Lord, resist the devil. It's a two, it's a two-thing. It's not just resist the devil. It's first I submit to the Lord and resist the devil, and he will flee. If you believe that, say amen. 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 We also see in Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. We've, we've covered this verse a couple times. I'm just going to highlight it. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. So we first see resisting the devil. This is how we contend against him. Also, we see be strong in the Lord. Can you say in the Lord? Yeah. It is not in and of yourself that we do anything. You against the devil. Again, I want to remind you, friends, no match. No match. a, t- a testimony that I, I, I was a lot younger. There was this m- man of God that, that we were in relationship in our family. and this man of God was on fire for God. He was on fire for God. And I remember he was having this passionate, you know, kind of conversation with my dad about God and how, how he, almost it was, it was kind of strange, but he was like, he felt fearless in God. He felt fearless. And then honestly, he began to speak things like, bring it on, devil. Bring it on. Whatever you got, I can take it. Bring it on, devil. And the devil brought it on. He brought it on fierce. Attacked his marriage, attacked his children, attacked his life. Last I heard, no longer walking with Jesus. I'm not saying this to scare you, friends. I'm saying this because us against the devil, no match. It's only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. Be strong in the Lord. Not in and of yourself. In the Lord. And listen to this. And in the strength of his might. It's not not our might. It's not my might. I'm I'm not clever enough. I'm not strong enough spiritually, physically, or mentally to to contend against this lying, scheming scheming devil. I mean, this guy has been playing tricks on the the world since the beginning of creation. You think he's not a master of this. This is why we don't play with witchcraft. This is why we don't play with Ouija boards and why we don't play with, with these dark spiritual things. We have no clue what's behind those things be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Old Testament tells us it's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Right? By his spirit. So the two most powerful weapons that we have been given for spiritual warfare when it comes to the enemy is this. Listen, friends. it's his. One is his name. Can you say his name? It's the name of Jesus. Is it, me, and, me and Eliza didn't even coordinate, but she she got it right she, when she picked this set for this morning right? He makes the darkness tremble. Jesus, the name of Jesus, when you speak the name of Jesus, the power that comes with his name, and then it's his blood, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Um, growing, growing up um, in, in the church that I grew up, um, there was a season where the church I grew up immersed itself into really the charismatic movement, and really, this thing of understanding the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, I mean, it was all about the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. You couldn't turn a corner and have a conversation or sing a song that, did, that didn't provoke the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus because it was a church that wants to operate in power. And the power comes from his name and his blood. Do you believe that? The name of Jesus. Mark sixteen seventeen says, these signs will accompany those who have believed. And listen to this. In my name can you say my name the name of jesus they will cast out demons and then it goes on it, it, they will heal the sick they will you know don't don't play with serpents i don't recommend it but it says hey this, this jesus says in my name they will begin to operate with this kind of power There's this crazy story in Acts chapter 19, I just wanted to highlight real quick. Acts chapter 19, verse um, 13 through 17 says this There were some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, and they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. Listen to this. So these were Jews, they were not believers. They they were they were cultural Jews who practiced you you know um, temple worship, and and so they they were beginning to see that the the followers of the way that's that's what Christians were called before they were called Christians the followers of the way were casting out demons and so they're like we want to do that you know how how come they get to do that we don't get to do that we're the religious elite and so they wanted to they started using the name of Jesus they weren't even believers started to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. And they would say, listen to this, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> this is so, I mean, I mean it's, it sounds naive, but it's almost like kind of cute, right? It's like, man, they just, just, just didn't know. But in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. <laughs> listen to this. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. Listen, friends, the devil don't play. And even though they they had knowledge of the name of Jesus, they did not have the indwelling of Christ in them. They did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within them. And so one day the demon answers them. Listen to this, friends. The evil spirit answers them and says this, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? But who are you? I believe if these men would have been in Christ Jesus, they could have said, we are sons of the living God we are sons of the living God indwelled with the Holy Spirit and stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But they weren't able to say that because they weren't followers of Jesus. They were just mimicking something that they thought had power. And listen, friends, then the man who had the evil spirit, listen, friends, jumped on them and overpowered them, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, this is wild, friends. And this is, this is why, why I'm, I'm trying to you know, highlight in this is it's not by our power or by our might. We cannot do this without the Spirit of God. And so I'm not, I'm not, we're not encouraging this spiritual warfare thing in you because we want you to go out there and start laying hands on people and, and casting out demons if it's not in Christ Jesus. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, I'm telling you, when we encounter demonic forces, dark forces, when we encounter where, the, where we, places where we need to invoke the name of Jesus, friends, please stand in Christ, in Christ. And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all, listen to this, friends, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. In high honor. Is the name of Jesus still held in high honor in our lives? I mean, just think of, of taking the Lord's name in vain. Is the name of Jesus still held in high honor for us, His church? Next, we have the blood of Jesus. Can you say the blood of Jesus? Blood. And the blood of Jesus, I mean, if you, if, 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 when I was growing up in church, I mean it, it, the songs we sang, they were bloody. They were like I mean it reminded me of like Marine Corps chants. I mean, the Marine Corps, we, we would run and sing blood and gut songs just to encourage ourselves as we were running. It wasn't a good thing. But I'm telling you, it felt like that in the church because we were speaking about the blood of Jesus always. We were singing about the blood and singing about uh, uh, singing about the blood, preaching about the blood. And when we took communion, uh, oh man, it was like, uh, so you weren't able to take communion when I was a kid unless unless you had been baptized because you really didn't have an understanding of what communion was. That was the, the kind of philosophy ab- about it. So us kids would always sneak upstairs to to eat and drink of the leftover communion because you know, all the little cups you know little shot glasses of grape juice and and the bread right and so we would go and sneak communion but we thought we were cool because we we're going we we're eating the bread with we the blood of Christ the blood of Christ the <laughs> blood of Christ right? like it, it, we look like little vampires right it's just like the blood of Christ and and it, it was like but it was we were immersed in this in this doctrine of the blood why? Because there is power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. It's a, listen to this. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 11 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. So it's the end of all things. Finally, everything is going to be revealed. Everything is now going to come to fruition because of Jesus. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the devil, has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before God day and night, and they overcame him. Listen, friends, because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the what? The blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when they were faced with death. It's this blood that makes us a victorious people over the enemy. The blood of Jesus. It's the blood that Jesus has given us as power over sin, over death, and over the dominion of the enemy. It's His blood that gives us His power. It's, it's, it's only by the blood of Jesus. Sorry, the blood that he spilt on the cross, that we have been redeemed of our sins. When we were once not a people, God has redeemed us how? By his blood. And there isn't a a Bible verse that we can read about pleading the blood of Jesus. How many of you have pled the blood of Jesus before? How many of you have ever prayed and said, I plead the blood of Jesus over something? It's like a covering of the blood. And this is this is part. Of, it was kind of a methodology that I, I believe that de- developed in spiritual warfare. And so, you know, when someone says, hey, you know, I'm feeling something going on in my house. Can you come and anoint my house? And so... you, you Go and anoint the house and get some oil. You begin to anoint the house and we plead the blood of Jesus over that home, over the doorways and over the windows. And, and, you know, or, or, you know, someone is feeling, feeling, you know, kind of spiritual opposition and you come and you lay hands and you plead the blood of Jesus over them. It's a covering of protection over their lives. And there, there aren't Bible verses that tell us, Hey, plead the blood of Jesus as much as I think we plead the blood of Jesus. But I believe it comes from, from this understanding of what took place in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 23, we see the Passover, and you guys might remember this. Exodus 23, verse 23, it says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, but when he sees the blood, can you say the blood? When he sees the blood on the lintel, and the lintel would be kind of the, the windowways, the arches, and the home. When he sees the blood on on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And so there's this understanding that even in the Passover, when you pled the what 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 they were supposed to do in, at the Passover. The, as they took um, hyssop and, 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 and got it with, with the lamb's blood, and then they would, they would spread that blood over all the door sills and over all the windowways, And it was a sign that the spirit of death could not come over or, in, or into, into that home. And this is what pleading of the blood, I think the practice of pleading the blood, where it comes from. right? Blood equals life in the, in, in the covenant of, in the covenants of God. Blood equals life. There, there's a scripture, I didn't write it down. There's a scripture where, where the Jews weren't allowed to eat any blood of any animal because blood equals life. And you were to ingest any type of other life outside of God, it was, un, it was ungodly. And so this blood, this, this understanding, the prophetic understanding of the blood is blood is life. Or even to this day, like, like uh, Orthodox practicing Jews can't eat bloody meat. It has to be cooked well done. There can't be any, any blood present with, with their meal. Blood equals life. It's the blood that brought a seal of protection as the Passover happened. And I believe this is where the common practice of pleading the blood comes from. It's, 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 a, it's a seal of protection. Again, I'm speaking methodology. But make no mistake, friends, there is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. There's a, a song I used to sing when I was a kid, Victory in Jesus. How many of you know that song? Any of you remember singing this song, Victory in Jesus? It was, it was written by Eugene Bartlett. And so um, maybe me, Joe and I should do a duet one day of Victory in Jesus. <laughs> so it, 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 I mean, it, was, it was so melodic, but listen to this. I heard an old, old story how a savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sins and I won the victory. And then the chorus was like this, oh, victory, victory. In Jesus, my savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. Listen to those words, friends. He sought me. He sought us until he found us. He searched for us until he found us. And then he purchased us when he found us. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. How? How? Through his blood, he loved me ere I knew him. Like if I always knew him, he loved me. He has loved me eternally. Listen, friends. And all my love is due him. Then listen to this. He plunged me. That word plunged. When you grew up, maybe you went to the city plunge, the swimming pool. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood this is how we are washed and the blood of jesus and the blood of jesus this is the power the protection of jesus these are the weapons of our warfare if you're with me you can say amen amen Amen. let's pick up the next enemy we have is the flesh Can you say the flesh? So we see the devil. We see the flesh. The flesh in in scripture, it has kind of like three meanings. If you think of like English words that have three meanings, uh, I heard a writer once talk about squash. And if you think of squash, right, you can, you know, eat a piece of squash, you know, or you can get squashed like a, or, a bug or, or you can say, yeah, that doesn't mean squash. You know, it's just, you know, there's there's different meanings. So the, the word here for the flesh has three meanings as well. It's it's sarx in 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 the Greek. And f- we see it can mean the body just simply the flesh can mean the body. And we're not telling you that your 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 physical body is the enemy of God. Your physical body is a gift from God. We're not just specifically speaking about your body. Um, it could also mean, you know, kind of just humanity, mean all flesh. And so when you see, when we see, hey, the world or the flesh is our enemy, we're not speaking about humanity. Humanity is not your enemy. Humanity was created by God and for God. And though we have not all been redeemed, humanity is still. Belongs to the Lord. And so we're not speaking about all humanity. But the flesh is what we see uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 that we read a little bit earlier. Um, That verse 3, and it says, um, In which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all previously lived in the lust of our flesh. Our flesh. And so this flesh is a different kind of flesh. This flesh is speaking about our sinful nature. And so uh, sinful nature was used in the NIV at one point. Um, the NIV has been, uh, there's, a, there's like a new NIV and then the old NIV. But sinful nature was used instead of flesh before. And, and, and a lot of, of the interpreters were saying, hey, that's not actually right. We can't use that. But honestly, prophetically, this, that is the correct Translation. It is sinful nature. It's 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 your 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 kind of innate nature that wants to sin. Um, I lost my place. Here we go. We see we see this in Romans chapter seven verse five, right? Sinful nature, the appetite which feels natural to the body, but is wrong before God. Just think about that. I mean, each and every one of us struggle with this flesh, this this, um, innate nature. John Mark Comer uh, wrote this about the flesh. Our basic primal animalistic drive for self-gratification, right? Especially pertaining to sensuality. It's the desires that are in all of us. This is what the flesh is. This is an enemy to the soul. This is an enemy to the saints. Today's culture is all about feeding the flesh, you feed the flesh, whatever makes you feel good, whatever, whatever you know, whatever feeds your sensuality. And this is why we have such a huge problem with sexual immorality in our world, why we have such a huge you know, p- p- porn problem in our world today. Why 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 all this stuff has become normalized. Yeah. Right? I mean you just think about the things that have been normalized because of the flesh. Like you think about a young couple getting married and, and, and the advice that is given to them, you know, by the world is, like, hey, you know what, you should have a few partners before you find the one. Yeah. How is that normal, right? The, the, the world has made it normal because that's what feeds the flesh. And so we, we, we think about these things, and we got to put our compass back into the kingdom versus into the world system, right? Whatever makes you feel good, however you want to identify, follow your heart. How many of you have ever heard that? Just follow to your own heart. Be true. Have you ever heard that saying? I mean, th- these sayings, listen to this. How many of you remember Woody Allen? Yeah. was a horrible story. Oh, yeah. So Woody Allen, director, kind of movie, movie buff actor, and Woody Allen was in a long relationship with Mia Farrow. Yeah. And, and Mia Farrow, I mean, long relationship. Mia Farrow had had, uh, uh, was married before, had children, adopted children, and then she entered into this long relationship with, with Woody Allen. So Woody Allen essentially was raising, helping raise her kids. One of those kids being a, a, an adopted daughter from Korea. Eventually, Woody, Woody Allen started having a, an affair with his adopted stepdaughter. If you, that makes sense to you, and so he got called to task by by the general public, like, "Whoa, what's going on here, dude?" Like, even back then, everyone knew that wasn't that wasn't a good thing. But Woody Allen says this. The heart wants what the heart wants. The heart wants what the heart wants. And this is what the world is promoting, especially in our world today. The heart wants what the heart wants. And who are we to say that you can't have what you want if your heart wants it? And you just think about this. I mean, we would all say, yeah, now a 56-year-old man marrying a 21-year-old woman who he was raising once as his daughter is not appropriate. But what if that's how he identifies or what, you know I mean all the weird stuff that the world is throwing out there for us to just grab and say yeah that's that's I guess it can work because the heart wants what the heart wants. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and is desperately sick. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Not you and not me. And so what we need to do, friends, is we submit our heart to Jesus. We submit our flesh to Jesus. We submit this, this animalistic drive that wants what it wants, that wants to take what it wants, that wants to do what it wants. And all those things, that we submit those things to Christ. And I'm telling you, friends, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling with inside of you, you don't get to do what you want to do anymore. The Holy Spirit is not our conscience. He's not little Jimity Cricket like in Pinocchio saying, don't do that. It's not good. And then the devil, little devil's over here, like, you can do it. Everything's going to be fine. It's all right. Try it. It's going to be good. It's not like that. The Holy Spirit is God. And if God is saying no, then how is it that the flesh is like, yeah, you should still do it. It'll be fine. We need to submit our flesh to God. Our weapons against the flesh, listen, friends, is the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. But I say walk by the Spirit. Walk how? By the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Oh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh, for the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit. Our flesh is in contest with in contest. contention, thanks baby, with God. This is spiritual warfare friends. Apostle Paul once wrote I I do what I don't want to do because this flesh is weak but we know that the spirit is willing, right? The flesh is against the spirit and the spirit, listen friends and that spirit as it's written in scripture, it's a capital S, it's not talking about the spirit that lives inside you, it is talking about the Holy Spirit, God. God is against you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, listen, friends, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. So listen, these are the deeds of the flesh. When you want, if this is how you know you're operating in the flesh. This is how you know that there's a battle r- raging inside of you. Listen, they are sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Listen, fornication and adultery is sexual immorality. Pornography is sexual immorality. Friends, these things are against the spirit of God. These things are things of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity. I mean, just think about it, impurity. Dirty jokes, you know, uh, 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 know, looking at, subjecting women to things, subjecting men to things, right? Impurity, indecent behavior. I don't know what that means to you, but I know what locker rooms are like for men. Indecent behavior, idolatry, idol worship, friends, what is the thing that you put before God? This is this is this is the the battle of the flesh. Witchcraft, and we, I think we'd all say, yeah, of course, of course, witchcraft. And then, you know, the Bible says that disobedience is wit- witchcraft before God. Disobedience, witchcraft, hostilities. Are you hostile? I mean, just just generally in your nature, are you hostile? Hostility. Listen. I, I, Uh, I heard once uh, um, uh, someone commenting on this and he says, we all read the first half of these and we're like, yeah, I'm not dealing with any of that stuff. I'm not, sheesh. Listen, friends, we get into hostilities. What about strife? You just love to fight with people. Oh, I'm going to tell them what I think. You just love to get in fights with people. You're always in strife with people. You fight with your neighbors. You fight with this person and with that person. And if you're thinking, well, everyone ha- has beef with me. All right? Jealousy. Jealousy, friends. Jealousy. Outburst of anger. A little road rage. Thank the Lord for delivering me of road rage. Indecent behavior. Oh, I already read that. Sorry. Maybe the Lord needs you to hear that again. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, even drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are we listening, friends? These Are are, are the fleshly things that rise up. But listen, now those, I'm sorry, sorry, but the fruits of the Spirit, verse 22 is, you guys might remember these from Sunday school love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen friends, crucified the flesh. Can you say crucified the flesh? With his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit as well. Can you say amen? If we live by the Spirit, then we follow the Spirit. The Spirit being God, Holy Spirit, manifest amongst mankind. And lastly, the world. The world. The world as an operating system. And I want us to just first look at these two passages. This is what Jesus says about the world. And he's praying in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Because I think sometimes we think, well, the world is our enemy. And I grew up in a kind of era where anything that was kind of like, like all TV was, was satanic. Right? I think mean, like I told you, I had a, a poster of, of Mike Tyson. I had to take it down because that was worldly. Like, I mean, there, there was just everything. Listen. This operating system of the world, I want us to understand it from Jesus' perspective. You, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. Are you listening, friends? They are not of the world. So those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we have now been adopted into a whole different operating system. We are now living a kingdom life. We're no longer living in the world. And so when you hear of people living one foot in and one foot out, they're not living in the kingdom. They're still dabbling in the world system, right? And I'm telling you, if you're dabbling in the world system, the Bible is very clear about this. Jesus says, I would rather have you hot or cold, but not lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. There's just this dabbling in the world, in the world's operating system. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Listen to this, friend. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And just as you have sent me into the world, I now send them into the world. So I'm not talking about the world as a place. I'm talking about the system that the world is now operating under. We're not to dabble in the world's operating system. But we're also not to, you know, become these these, these Christian monks who never operate in the world because Jesus has actually sent us into the world. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world and when he's talking about the world he's talking about all humanity but not about Satan's operating system. Are you with me? 1 John chapter 2 says this about the world. Do not love the world nor the, nor the things in the world. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen to this friends. This is clarity. This isn't, this isn't, oh, you know, you know, there's a gray area here. If you have the love of the father in you, you cannot love the world. For all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the father. But is from the world. The world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Isn't that powerful? We are called to do the will of God while we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And we're not to adopt the world's philosophies as if they're our own. We live in an upside-down world where the right is wrong and wrong is right. And if you stand up for anything godly, if you stand up for anything holy, if you stand up for anything that's connected to the church, you are an enemy of the state now more than ever. Honestly, friends, it's not just about morality. It's not just about being more moral people. It's about the very fight for truth itself. Truth is subjective. Whatever is true for you is true for you. Whatever is true for me is true for me. We hear that all the time. You can beg to differ all you want, but there's no absolute truth anymore. Sexuality is subjective, gender is subjective. The value of human life itself is held in the hand of the individual and no longer in the hands of a holy God. We are now living in a post truth world. Think about that, friends. We're living in a post-truth world. How does this happen? It's a slow drift. It's a slow drift. Um, How many of you remember the age before streaming? Movies and all that, right? How many of you remember having bootleg copies of movies? Movies. I don't know if I've ever repented for this publicly, but I guess I will. I used to have a guy. And so I, on, on Saturday mornings, when I would go get my fade on 4th Street in Ontario, my guy would show up with, 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 a, with a CD album full of bootleg copies of movies. And it was all the, 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 the good stuff. It wasn't the kind where someone's head would pop up in the middle of the video. I mean, these were like like production taken from, you know, the whatever. And if he would miss me at the barbershop, sometimes he would come to the house. And my wife, the truth teller, would often be like, this isn't right we shouldn't be doing this. It's stealing. I'm like, I'm not stealing. I'm not the one taking and and ripping this stuff from wherever, burning it onto other CDs and, and, and selling it. I'm buying it for five bucks. I'm not stealing it or three for nine or something, whatever it was. And then there was jailbroke Cubes, where you got like a thousand games on it. And then there was like black box cable where you paid a friend to come and hook up your cable. And then you got, you got all the cable in the world, like for free, even pay-per-views that Vanessa say, not me. And listen, friends, there was a time where the conviction of the Holy Spirit rested on my life. And I had to stop. And I didn't have to write little things on, on the CD to n- know what it was anymore. You know, the sh- Sharpies, you always had to have black Sharpies for your videos. And so when, when, when some of my friends were like, hey, you got this thing? I'm like, no, nah, I'm sorry. You know, I don't think it's right. I don't think I should be doing that anymore. It's like, what? Oh, Mr. Christian now. <laughs> Oh, no, Oh, all of a sudden, you know, you were the dude who probably turned this on to all this stuff. And now you don't want to do it anymore. And, and listen, there was a slow drift. And then when I came back to what was right, listen, friends, stealing is wrong. Everyone knows that. Two-year-olds know that stealing is wrong. I know that. I'm 45. Stealing is wrong. And when I read that pop, copyright piracy is illegal, you remember those things that got branded on there? It was like, pfft. but now I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because I'm living right. (laughs) But if you go and try to tell that to other people who are still doing it, the world is like, oh, so all of a sudden you're all high and mighty? Oh, all of a sudden you're the judge and jury over these things? And then now I'm looked at as a bad guy. Listen, friends, when everyone knows that stealing is wrong and somehow stealing is okay. Because why? Well, we're not hurting anyone. Why are we not hurting anyone? You know how many millions these, these, we start justifying our sin. You know how many millions these production places are making? What are they losing out on this? They've already made their money in the theaters. Like we start justifying all this stuff and I'm using something very small and very simple and, and, and silly. It's not super silly, but silly. But listen, friends, this is what happens with sin. You know, we, we start saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm no longer doing this anymore. And then those who you were operating with in that sphere are like, oh, all of a sudden, you're Mr. and Mrs. Holy. Oh, all of a sudden, you don't want to be, you know, hanging out with us in these spheres because you're too good for us. Oh, you're the judge now. Okay. And so there's this whole thing that you cannot even judge people when we know it's wrong. And this thing has also crept into the church. And how we know it is because when I come alongside of a brother or a sister in Christ and I might want to bring some biblical correction to something that's happening in their life, it's all of a sudden, pfft, oh, all of a sudden, this is a church that judges people. It's the word of God that judges us, friends. It's the spirit of God that judges us. And I know I'm talking, please, you know, don't get all stressed out about your bootleg movies you have. I'm sure I, it was a worst as you got one and you thought it was going to be good and then it was in Spanish. Man, I was Ezekiel, one time I got Kung Fu Panda. And he's watched oh, I can't even tell the story. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Things in Spanish are so much funnier, especially cartoons. Oh, it, never mind. Anyways. Judging is seen as wrong, but stealing is just fine. Not, and listen, it's not only because of popular opinion. Friends, listen to this. It's because of popular design. This is the world system. It's popular design that is shaping our culture now. And so if it's popular with the culture, then that's the new operating system of the world. And we as Christians, if we in any way, shape, or form try to speak against that, oh, automatically you're something. And it works for both. If you think about politics, it works for conservatives and against, against, against um, liberals when you think about this. So we're, we're conservative, we'll have a conservative stance, a biblical conservative stance. He's like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, like, you know, you're the judge because, you know, whatever. But it's also in the liberal things. So, ah, I, mean, I got to rephrase this. When we read scriptures in the Bible about unity, we're just saying we're supposed to be united in Christ and not be fighting over these things. And, and many, many kind of contexts, that would be a liberal stance. Because I'm trying to be united with my brother or sister in Christ. And I'm just saying, hey, can we find common ground so that we can be united in Christ to carry on? Where one say, oh, you're making compromises. And we're not, compromising, we're not compromising biblical truth. But we might be compromising methodology. Right? Or if someone says a stance about sin or something like this when you speak about the, you know, the, uh, uh, anything that it is sexual in, in nature when it comes to the church. That's a divisive thing to be speaking about. And so whenever we take a biblical stance, it's automatically viewed as judgmental and it's automatically viewed as divisional instead of us trying to say we are trying to be united in Christ and no longer operating in this world system. Listen, friends. Sinners are not our enemies. Sinners are the goal of Christ Jesus and the goal of the church to win sinners into the kingdom of God. Again, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And I'm not rising, I'm not bringing the point of this world to our attention like, oh yeah, all my friends of the world, I can't, I can't hang out with them anymore. No, the Lord has called you out of the world, but sending you back in as an ambassador for King Jesus. And that takes guts. And that takes courage, and that takes a lot of repentance, and that takes a lot of you reworking once was. When I no longer was accepting bootleg copies of stuff, people looked at me a certain way. But when I was no longer cussing, and I was no longer telling dirty jokes, and I was no longer doing the things that I used to participate in, I had a lot of friends who were saying, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. If that's what it costs to not operate in the world system, then friends, I'm telling you, chase after King Jesus. This is what Jesus said about our fight with the world, and I'll end with these real quick. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose his life for my sake will find it. For what good, listen friends, what good will a person do if he gains the whole world? If he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? Do not exchange your soul for this world. Jesus also said this in John chapter 15. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And so you shouldn't be surprised if the world hates you. And I'm hoping it's not going to be your friends and your loved ones, but honestly, friends, when you start taking a stance for Jesus, the spirit behind some of these people and behind the world, it is going to rise up against you. And don't take it personal. I'm telling you, it's going to be family. It's going to be friends. It's going to be coworkers. The world hates you. Know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, then the world would love you as its own. And so I want to tell you this, friends. If the world fully embraces who you are, you might want to check how you're living for Jesus. You might want to check if you're living in this duality. Because if you're standing for Jesus, the world is not going to accept you for who you are wholeheartedly. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will... Um, I read the wrong verse, sorry. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. Remember um, Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is no greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, that they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they would follow yours also. These are powerful truths from Jesus. Lastly, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, and do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the world. Another version will say, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. If your lifestyle looks like everyone else around you, if your lifestyle is following after the patterns of of what this world is following after, friends, I want to ask you to go back to God and seek his face about these matters. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Listen, friends, transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's hope for us. These three enemies, these three enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh, this is the battle that we wage. And in regards to the world, how we battle against this world is we battle this world with the kingdom of truth. With the kingdom of truth. We stand on what God has said. We stand on his word. We stand on his proclamations. When we do that, friends, we will never lose. Can you say amen to that? You guys stand with me. And Pam, if I can maybe get you on keys. Is she here? Or oh, just come on guitar, Steph. No, no, it's okay. Steph can just come Listen, friends, if I were to ask how many of you are in a battle right now, I'm pretty sure each and every one of us could raise our hand. But I want you to listen to what I'm asking this morning. If you feel like there is demonic attacks on your life, Jesus is the answer. It's Jesus. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, friends, and we want to stand with you in that. I've felt darkness before. I've seen the devil trying to creep into my home and and try to use fear tactics and things like that. And I'm telling you, it's the name and the blood of Jesus that overcomes those things. For some of you, it might be your flesh. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not asking you to question your salvation. But I'm telling you, if you're battling with your flesh and your fleshly animalistic desires are leading you into sin, then I'm telling you, friends, there is a fight that needs to be fought and it can't be done in and of your own strength. There's no self-help. There's no, no behavior modification. It has to be by the spirit of God that you overcome. And if you're fighting this world, this world's operating system, and sometimes we can't even we don't even recognize that we've been living in this thing for so long. And you know, honestly, it can be your 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 workplace culture could be a world operating system that you cannot break out of. Your fear of what people are going to look at. I mean, uh, my 12-year-old son was was battling with with peer pressure this week fell into something his friends told him to do. And if he didn't do it, then they were going to think something about him. And I'm telling you, we think peer pressure is something kids deal with. Adults deal with it all the time. It's in our families. It's in our workplaces. It's in the spheres that we operate, this peer pressure. What are they going to think if I make a stance for God? If you're battling with any one of these areas, friends, I'm going to ask you guys to just close your eyes. And if you want to lift your hands to the Lord this morning as, as a sign of submission. Bible says, submit to God, but resist to the devil and he will flee. Friends, honestly, if you're battling in any one of these areas, just lift your hands to the Lord. And I just want to ask the Spirit of God to fall afresh on you. I just want to remind you, but by His Spirit, it's not by power nor by might, but by His Spirit. If you've been battling with the world system, I just want to remind you again, it's the truth of God. It's the truth of God that's going to set you free. It's the truth of God It's going to set you free. It's not the duality of the world. It's not, it's not the world's opinion. It's not the world's thinking. It's, it's, you're going to be renewed by the transformation of your mind. The truth is going to come, and the truth is going to set you free. And honestly, friends, anyone, anyone in this place wrestling with demonic principalities over your life, I just want to speak Jesus plead the blood over, over, your, over your entire being. I plead the blood right now over your homes, over your workplaces, over your children. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This is not a losing fight, friends. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Jesus has given you power and the tools to defeat the enemy, to defeat the, defeat the world, and to defeat this flesh that we battle with daily. He has given you power and authority. Walk in that authority. Walk in that authority. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we thank you because we know that you are sovereign. You are seated on the throne and you are high and lifted up and full of glory. And Lord, we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Every principality, every person and even our flesh itself will bow its knee to you, King Jesus, and declare that you are Lord. And Lord, we pray even now, as it is, as it is in, as it is on earth, as it is in heaven, God, we are praying heaven down into our world now, God, that prophetic image of what will be, we submit to it now, and we say, yes, Lord, come, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For those who have been feeling weak, I pray for a strengthening in the spirit. Those who have been battle-weary, Lord, I pray for comfort. I pray for ministering angels to come around them. Those who have been in the fight, I pray that ministering angels will come and minister to them in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Lord, those who have been battling with addictions and secret sin, Lord, I pray that they will name those sins, confess those sins, so that they can be free in you, Christ Jesus. No longer bound. No longer bound by the urges of this flesh. But bound by the Spirit of God. We submit to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Your name cannot be overcome. That is our declaration today, Jesus. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Awesome. Listen, if you need prayer uh, for anything specific or you really believe that you need someone to begin to stand with you in in any area of your life that you might be battling, um, I'm going to ask some of the elders to come up here and be up here ready to pray and any leaders as well. Um, and not just for this moment and not just for this time. If you need someone to stand with you for, for the next season, someone to say, hey, I need prayer for this area of my life. I need someone to stand with me. Please come. You're, you're not met, We're not meant, uh, Ken's going to be preaching next week on this understanding. We're not meant to fight these battles alone. And so please come. We want to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, Other than that, we love you guys. Go with God. Women, don't forget to sign up for the women's um, uh, uh, conference that's happening next weekend. Annette will be there. We love you, and we'll see you guys soon. Talk to you soon.